I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking about how to grow your practice, your private practice, and grow your family's wealth at the same time. Today, we have John Barnes back on the show. He is the CEO at Pendleton Street Business Advisors. He's been on the pod before. We had to have him come back. And today, we're going to be talking about a little less about growing your practice because we've, we have others come on here about marketing, recruiting. You got to grow your team. You got to grow the patient demand side of things to actually grow your practice. But we're going to talk about some things about where can you, as practice owners watching or listening, where do you move your money? Where can you invest your money? Do you reinvest it back in your practice with more marketing and new team members with recruiting to grow the business side? And then like, I don't know, at some point you got to think about like, how much money are you taking off the table? Are you going to be reinvesting profits in, I don't know, real estate, stocks and bonds, Vanguard, whatever. You certainly can talk to John Barnes today, the guest on the show about all that and more. I'm Dave Kittle, owner of Concierge Pain Relief, Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. And we're speaking with practice owners about partnering or acquiring some or all their practice. John, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Dave. I, I appreciate it. Absolutely. So this is a topic that I don't think gets talked about enough. And so I'm just pumped to get you back on here and, and kind of riff on it. And obviously, this is not legal advice or anything like that or financial advisory yeah. advice. You're going to have to reach out to, you know, to John or anyone else to evaluate your type of situation. But one of the things, John, that you and I were talking about, about planning for this show was like, where can practice owners, or, or what type of an approach should they have or a mindset around their profits? They Hopefully, sure. you have a practice, you have a business that actually is producing profits. Otherwise, <laughs> this episode is not for you. You need some some other <laughs> business coaching or some, some actual marketing uh, yeah. help there. But assuming a practice in a physical therapy business or other healthcare businesses and practices, they're generating X amount of profit. And really what we're going to kick off today is just like, what are their options? Should they reinvest all of it to a certain point, like a million or two or 5 million in revenue to a certain point? And then at some point you diversify, maybe it depends on revenue and profit figures. Maybe it depends on their age. It depends on their personal goals, their family's financial goals. There's a lot of factors here. So where do you want to kick it off first? Sure. Well, I think, you know, when when we think about what do you do with and, and I would even fine tune the word profit to say, let's call it cash flow, you know, free cash flow, like true cash that you've got in hand, not tied up in receivables. You know, you've paid all the bills and stuff and, and sort of thinking about what's left over and in the bank account. When we're talking to our clients, we think there's three things that you can do with cash. Number one, you can pay yourself, meaning pay it on a dividend, you know, do something fun. Just you take it out of the business and you distribute it to yourself. Second thing is you can pay down debt. And by that, we mean accelerate debt payments. We would assume that if you've got lines of credit, building loans, equipment loans, things like that, you're paying them as agreed. This is about making extra payments on the principal. The third thing that we think you can do, is, as you mentioned, is reinvest in the business, meaning buy new equipment, you know, a new building, uh, hire more docs, things like that. 
We help our clients answer those questions by helping them develop a personal financial plan. Now, we're a little bit sort of non-traditional as financial planners go in that we're not trying to sell guys and gals stocks, bonds, mutual funds, life insurance, things like that. We're focusing on the business that they own as their largest investment. So when we think about a personal financial plan, that's not much different than their business plan. They might be two distinct documents and two ways of looking at the world, but they should work at least in concert together. And so when we are trying to answer those three questions or trying to figure out which of those three things one of our clients should do, we always go back to the personal financial plan first to see what they need to accomplish and when they need to do it. So that when we have free cash from their largest investment, we almost instinctively know exactly where to allocate that cash. Sometimes it is paying yourself. For instance, you know, you've got college tuition coming up and certainly the business profits are going to be the the primary way to pay for that. Well, that's got to come out and that's got to go to the college or university that you you know you're sending your child to. But sometimes business owners get in a jam where they've got growth opportunities that they need to allocate maybe toward new equipment or new hires and they've got to pay college tuition. So what happens then? Well, again, that's where through a good financial plan we knew when the tuition needed to occur or, or when it needed to be paid. We also anticipate that the client is probably going to try to reinvest in their business because they're trying to achieve what we help our clients determine is a target valuation. Not the current valuation of their business, but what target valuation do they need to achieve at a certain point in time? Knowing that target, Knowing the kind of classic financial, like personal planning things like college tuition, retirement, personal savings, things like that, identifying those targets and also assigning a a due date, if you will, on those can really help us be a lot more objective over what needs to happen with that free cash flow. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So in terms of a practice owner that might be in that situation of like, should they should they pay off some outstanding debt? Maybe they had, like you said, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Is I, We've certainly seen that with the financials and the practices that we're looking at. It could be a couple hundred thousand dollars of a line of credit or working capital because either they started a new, they opened up a new office, like, you know, an additional office to what they already had or a build out or construction or whatever it might be. Do you help your clients look at, maybe you would phrase it as like the cost of capital or like what's, if you take some lump sum of money, and you're going to pay down this, I don't know, $200,000 of line of credit or working capital. If you're going to pay that down versus if you take that same amount of money and you reinvest it in buying something like maybe your other specialty equipment, it could be, I don't know, like a laser or a software or some therapy, something that maybe is either through insurance billable or it's private pay or it's a new office and you're expanding that way. You help your clients, I'm assuming, like kind of look at like this capital, you could pay down this debt which will get you out of, you know, this line of credit or draw it down. Or you could continue to have it, you know, financed basically over time with the right. with the current amortization schedule. And then look at if we take that same money and we put it somewhere else, what's that return for us, you know, in the next 12 to 24 months? You kind of help them through all that? Yeah, we're absolutely helping them through that. Now, I would caveat that by saying if we're talking about a line of credit in particular. Something that your audience probably, if they don't already know this, they should know it. Lines of credit are not loans. It is credit. So you're borrowing money, but your banker 
is going to want to see that line of credit sort of accordion out and accordion back in. In other words, you draw on it and then you pay it down, not maybe to zero, but it's not where you draw it out and keep it drawn out, especially on a rolling 12-month basis. So if we see where clients are using their lines of credit to maybe fund more than short-term working capital needs, we're almost always going to say, hey, some of that cash flow needs to go to pay down some of the line just so the banker can see that it's moving in and out, almost like you know your, your lungs move, you know, breathe out and breathe in. Um, your banker is going to want to see that. So, so that's kind of first and foremost on a line of credit. Now, if they've got a building loan or equipment loans that are kind of more of a fixed amortization, that is where we're going to look a little more closely at the, the price of that money versus a return that they could make on buying a new therapeutic device and things like that. It's also more than sort of the interest rates and what they're going to make. What a business owner um, sometimes doesn't understand is when they use their own cash to pay for things, that's almost the most expensive form of capital that they can use because their capital has a much higher required rate of return in most cases. The bank's money, if you will, is always going to be a little bit cheaper. Even in today's higher interest rate environment, it's almost always going to be attractive just if you were looking at that. But when you get into a specific situation, that's where we are helping our client analyze and get really into the numbers in terms of the um, expected revenue, how long it will take to capture that revenue, as well as, you know, should we pay down the debt that, that we already know about and kind of have a clear amortization table on. And obviously, like every everything is uh, on a case by case basis. But I'm assuming with your clients, it's not necessarily like just pay down this, you know, pay down the this working capital or line of credit with accelerated payments and pay, you know, not just interest but principal, like you said, the accordion effect. So you're you're actually paying that down. You're not necessarily saying for practice owners watching or listening, like it might just be that, or it could be like some addition. It could be like some percentage towards that. And then some percentage you're allocating elsewhere. It's not necessarily Correct. like you're taking some amount of money and just 100%. That's your only focus of, of paying off that that piece. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes we're mixing and matching of those three questions, pay yourself, pay the bank, or reinvest. Sometimes it's two out of three. Sometimes it's all three, just in differing amounts. Sometimes it is just one. Again, the filter that we're passing those decisions through is the personal financial plan which again, really dovetails and closely aligns with the business plan. They're not all that different. You know, something we were talking about before we got started was what about a multi-partner business, you know, where you've got maybe more than one owner in the business? Kind of a general piece of advice that I would, that I would share with your, with your audience is if you have a multi-partner business, I think you, if you don't already have this, you should strongly consider what we call a dividend policy that kind of cuts across the ownership group. And and what I mean by that is everybody who owns a business or part of a business wants some of the fun, some of the juice, whatever you're calling it, to to come out of the business back to them. Just getting a salary, getting your cell phone paid for, kind of normal expenses don't really count, if you will, for a lot of owners. They want kind of that bonus check that comes out of profit every year. If you have a multi-partner business, I think you're playing with fire if you don't set some kind of predetermined dividend rate kind of at the beginning of the year, that literally is not necessarily a percentage, but a fixed dollar amount that could be paid quarterly, 
semi-annually, maybe even at the end of the year, so that none of the partners or owners have to have any uh, guesswork as to what's going to happen, what are we going to get. Now, if you have a great year and you're able to distribute more than that, that's fine. I would say do that at the end of the year when everything is in the barn, so to speak, or nearly in the barn. But before you kick that year off, maybe set a dividend policy so that those cash bonuses can go out in a more predictable manner. Again, general advice, not specific. You still need to think about reinvestment. You might need to think about other forms of debt that are in the business that the partners are responsible for. But um, we see a lot of multi-partner businesses that just having a dividend policy that makes it clear and known to the business owners of what to expect in terms of extra cash can go a long way. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I think they'd have to go and you know talk to their lawyer if they have multiple owners and there's an oper- operating agreement and that is not already in it. But that could be something I guess they, they could get like amended or added to it, right? Yeah, you can you can do it that way. I mean, that that really is kind of the belt a belt and suspenders approach. I think a lot of operating agreements in the forms that we've seen allow for, you know, the the partnership group to make decisions that can change periodically. I don't know that you need to lawyer up just to determine a dividend policy. It's not going to hurt. But like I said, it's kind of like wearing a belt and suspenders. You you're kind of doubling up on some of that stuff. What you really need to do is to pick a dividend rate that is sustainable. In other words, that you're not spending all the free cash and distributing all that out, but it needs to be something that that seems rewarding. I know that can seem a little vague in terms of some pretty wide goalposts there. Um, that's why when you get down to a case-by-case basis, or that's where things can change. But dividend policies, like I said, can go a long way to creating a more harmonious partnership. It takes the guesswork out. It allows those men and women to go home if they have a spouse or, or a partner and tell them like, hey, I've done a good thing by becoming an owner in this business and here's how we're benefiting. Like I said, salary and, and cell phone payments don't really count. And I don't know if this kind of goes more into the accounting side or, or the legal side, but like if a practice owner is watching or listening, they could certainly take out those. I think, you, so you said in the pre-interview, you and your partner do a quarterly. So mm-hmm. Awesome. But what if a practice owner is, whether it's one or two or multiple practice owners that co-own the practice, if they already have a, an agreed upon plan, now, of course, that's going to take maybe some extra capital. Maybe they, they do some financing or, or loans for expanding, whether they're buying other locations or trying to open up new locations. What if there's like either a disagreement or, or some uncertainty of like one owner wants to do what you're saying, which is like, let's have this predictable dividend with, that's being pulled out on a normal cadence, like quarterly or whatever it might be. And then the other owner or several of the other owners want to kind of go with this acquisition or growth strategy. And you would kind of need maybe more of that money to stay in the business. And as opposed to some being pulled out. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we've certainly seen that before. I think, you know, their first stop is go to the operating agreement that, that should stipulate how decisions are made. Is it, does it have to be unanimous? Is it majority rule in terms of percentage of ownership, you know, wanting to go in a certain direction? That's the first place to check. Sometimes you do have an odd person out there where someone maybe gets outvoted or overruled based on an outcome that they would like to see happen, but it kind of goes the other way. I think for multi-partner businesses, you can use the operating agreement. I mean, it's there to set the rules of the road, certainly. And it's not that people need to go rogue and just ignore 
the rules of the road that they've set as a partnership. I do think that if you're running into a lot of friction on that, a lot of non-unanimous decisions, that could be a good signal to maybe revisit your operating agreement in terms of how you make decisions. It could call for some more, even tougher conversations that happen from time to time in partnerships. It's not that that means that someone needs to go or that someone needs to be bought out. But I think it's time, and and we work with a number of multi-owner businesses where when we are working with them, we work with all the partners to establish their own personal financial plans that the business is really going to pay for. But we also make, uh, one of our house rules is that partners have to be open with each other, maybe not about their specifics and what they're trying to accomplish within their own families, but they have to be open with one another about what they expect financially from the business. You know, where it's kind of putting your cards on the table with your partners. And most partnerships do this sort of instinctively because a lot of partnerships start from the beginning. But some partnerships add new partners in over time that weren't there maybe for the startup. You know, they're maybe kind of coming in as a going concern. I think that's where, and that probably is a more mature business. I think that's where you go back to having a dividend policy where everybody gets a predictable amount that, again, is rewarding enough, but it's certainly not like a huge percentage of your free cash flow. You might do something special at the end of the year once you have more certainty on how things are going to end and maybe you know more of the direction you're headed. Again, these are general rules of thumb. Got it. Now, with you and your partner, as you guys do the quarterly, withdrawals of profits. Is that typically, or maybe it depends on the situation and all that we have organized, but is that typically a taxable event or it depends where you put that money? Like if you put it straight into your, you know, your family's bank account, I'm assuming. So it's just going to be taxed at the normal rate. But then if you're putting it into some other, I don't know, IRA, Roth IRA, other, you know, different options, then I think then those would be less taxed or not taxed. Like what are some, I mean, and I don't know if, that's what you help your clients with as well. It sounds like it. So how do you guys kind of think about where you put it and is it a taxable event or it just depends where you actually put it? Yeah. I mean, taxes are important. You know, you you can't ignore them. We also try to, you know, not let the tax tail wag the dog, so to speak, in terms of that every financial decision doesn't necessarily pass through a taxation filter. Again, we go back to the personal financial plan. If someone is trying to build up more financial independence outside of the business, in other words, they're not going to totally depend on the business as their retirement plan, then yes, it makes sense to take money out of the business and kind of store that away personally. To your point, you can do that in your 401k through the business. You can do it through Roth or IRAs. I would think that a lot of your your listeners probably make too much income to contribute to Roth unless there's a Roth attached to their 401k plan. So that's probably not, and even a traditional IRA, they probably make well above the income limits, whether they're single or married, to be able to get tax deductibility on those contributions. So even if you distribute it to yourself, whether you're an S corporation or a C corporation, you're going to pay income tax on that. When you hold it personally in, say, an individual or even a joint investment account, you do move over to the capital gains side of the ledger when you have capital gains in that account or qualified dividends. So your tax rate, while it might be income on the first draw, you're going to move over to uh, capital gains rates once it becomes kind of a liquid investment. So that's something to bear in mind too. Again, we think taxes are important. 
I don't think there's a single right move to do in that. You know, if you keep it in the business and you reinvest in the business, of course, you know, in talking with your tax professional, there may be some deductibility there. You know, if you buy real estate, you get some more depreciation, things that you can take or deductions you can take. You know, we're always working kind of in concert with a CPA who also understands the business is 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 um performing the business tax return. And in most cases, they're doing the personal return for the owner as well. And so we're doing a lot of communication with those professionals to let them know about business plans in advance, maybe trying to just do a double check in terms of a taxation filter, but we're not starting it with a taxation filter. Got it. Got it. And I was just glancing over at your LinkedIn profile. So where it says John Barnes, CEO at Pendleton Street Business Advisors. And then right after that, it says helping business owners get more from their largest investment. So what we're talking about today is basically that, right? It's like, this is how you and, and other advisors can help business owners where this is the biggest asset. And it's yep. it's typically way larger than even their the value of their house or their home, if they have any you know personal real estate or, or whatever it might be. So what are some other components around this that like maybe we're kind of in the ballpark, but we haven't really discussed that'll kind of move the needle one way or the other, or kind of provide some like a spotlight on an area that maybe a practice owner hasn't thought about? Well, I think something we kind of briefly mentioned that up front was, you know, when clients are working with us, we're helping to set a target valuation on their business. Meaning if you were sitting with a, a more classic financial planner and you were just saving money out of your, out of your paychecks so that you could build up a nest egg for retirement, you know, they would help you with a dollar amount to say, okay, based on your age and stage in life, what you make in 25 years, you need to have $3 million saved up. Usually that's happening in a 401k or some tax deferred vehicle. We haven't come across a business owner yet that has thought about retirement that way in terms of what a business value needs to be when they get to that kind of magic birthday. So when we help our clients understand a target that they're trying to hit, that in of itself can help guide you through business decisions that you need to make, especially when you know the timing of those business decisions. That's kind of one thing that I think business owners kind of, you know, it's hard enough to start a business. It's even more difficult to run and scale it over, say, a a multi-decade period. And it seems that when you get into the uh, final innings of the game, so to speak, most business owners wake up and say, oh my gosh, I'm 55 years old. I'm 60 years old. It's always, it's usually tied to an age. I'm 62 years old, whatever, I've got to start doing something or I've got to start thinking about retirement. We're just trying to get our clients to think about it a little bit sooner so that they can plan better and have more peace of mind in the decisions they're making, not only in the business, but also personally to know that they can do both. Like you said, we're trying to help them get more out of this largest asset. Right. Makes a lot of sense. When we were talking about the lead up to this episode and basically like where to move capital, where to move, you know, resources, it seems like, like I said earlier, as I, you know, partly joked, like if you have a practice or a business and you don't have the profits, like there's other things that need to be evaluated and kind of fixed first. Right. So going back to the first episode that you were on the show here, you said like, you have like two, like two cohorts or two buckets of your clients. So one is like, the landing, like an airplane landing. So the folks that you're helping those business owners kind of help getting prepared to exit their their business. And then the first the, or the other group was like, I think launch or takeoff. What was what do you yeah, term it? Takeoff. Yeah, that's what we call them. Takeoff. Takeoff, right? So the folks for this episode, that's really who we're talking about right here. 
Yeah. And so okay. kind of help, helping them kind of expand. And in that, it's like, you don't have to have 100% of your money tied up in your business, even though right. there, if you're in the takeoff phase, there's going to be a significant proportion that's going to be going towards growth. And that, again, we talked about the marketing, the sales component, marketing sales, team, growing the team, all that takes a lot of, you know, not just time and effort, but money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, growth uh, gobbles cash. I mean, that's what we tell our clients. And and we don't really have to tell them. They're living that. They feel that. And so, yes, a lot of our takeoff clients, and again, these are not startups. So they're they're not brand new out of the gate. These are these are maybe business owners that have been in business for say at least five to seven years. And so they've got payroll, they've got, you know, payables, they've got receivables. It's it's a going concern. They're not waking up in cold sweats anymore, thinking about pay, meeting payroll on Friday. But what a lot of times they are encountering is the pain of, hey, my revenue's up. Yes, my expenses are up because I'm growing my business. I've taken on um, more work and I'm getting more referrals and, and the engine is really going, but I'm not making anything or they might say I'm not taking anything home or I've got, you know, the headaches have just gotten bigger. They've not gotten smaller, but I feel like I'm doing the right things. That's where we're going in. And we're really, again, helping them not just with a personal financial plan, but we're really helping to sync up those business plans for growth and helping them understand, like you were saying earlier, about what required when they make investments for growth, what required rate of return should they be getting? And I think a lot of times you see business owners kind of take a very um, shotgun approach, shall we say, where they're scattering their capital in a ton of different places. And again, I get that you've got to experiment a little bit to see like what's going to work, but it's like they never get out of that experimentation mode. They go to a conference, hear an idea. All right, they're doing that. They talk to a, a buddy, you know, across town or in a different state that they were in school with, and they're doing that. So then they go in that direction. And then they freestyle a little bit with their own ideas. And pretty soon after three to five years of doing that, you know, they've just got a, it's, it's like having a, a horrible hangover. And they're just thinking like, what have I done to myself? I've, I listen to smart people. I've, Talk to people that seem to know what they're doing. I'm trying a little bit of all their stuff and it's not really working. Those are people that we're helping to say, okay, it's probably not working because you've never looked at your business decisions in a filter of kind of personal financial decisions. Again, thinking about not just what needs to happen, but when, and then tying it back to that specific business in terms of the opportunities that are, that are coming their way that again, it's going to take you know, money to make money. And then how they allocate. We are teaching them how to see themselves as the lead investor in their own business. Got it. So, I mean, a little bit of, and I think we kind of hinted at the first time you're on the show, like you're, this is like a very niche advisory firm that you, that you offer. And it's kind of like, there's like some coaching in a way. And it's not just purely like, here's like, here's where you can invest, do this, do that. You know, you're actually, it's a little more maybe handholding or there's some advisory and coaching component as opposed to just like, you know, investments. Sure. I mean, you know, when our clients think about investments, they're thinking about reinvestment in the business, not necessarily stocks, bonds, mutual funds, kind of outside investments. 
we get that and we don't really push that. We we do manage money in our firm, but the money that we manage in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds is usually the result of an exit. from. So they've sold their business, they've gotten liquid, their net worth didn't change by a, by a dollar, it just changed the format. And so when we are doing focusing primarily on liquid investments, that's really to help them generate a stream of income to basically replace their paycheck to replace the perks that the business was paying for because they're going to want to continue that, you know, in life after the, after the business. So that's where we get into that side of investing usually is after an exit. Now, from time to time, we may see that there's a business owner, again, based on their goals, based on their timing and their plan, where they need to take some capital, some, some chips off the table, if you will, in their business and kind of stow it to the side. A lot of times what's going on there is that's not necessarily to create long-term liquid investments outside of the business. It's maybe to create more short or medium-term uses of cash in case it needs to go back into the business. But we think it's important to get it out because businesses have a way of gobbling up all the cash that's available. <laughs> um, whether, you know, you're paying taxes, whether you're buying equipment, you know, some other kind of unexpected thing, funding working capital, your controller or CFO is going to find a use for that cash. Don't worry about that. What we're trying to do is to help our clients see themselves again as the investor and give themselves a choice of reinvestment in the business or taking it outside. Got it. And you guys are based in uh, South Carolina, but you have clients all over the country? We do. We have clients, um, I think now, last count, we're in 14 different states, including the West Coast. But yes, we are based here in South Carolina. Awesome. Well, John, this was a great conversation. Good place to pause. Other than, so the website, PendletonStreetAdvisors.com, we'll link to that in the show notes. But any place for the audience to reach out to you, whether it's email address, LinkedIn, the website, for them to connect with you and your firm? Yeah, on our website, they can go to our website and actually we have a um, a link there. Um, to, I set up office hours every Friday uh, for about two hours and I'll book them out in 20 minute increments where you can uh, hit me up there and set up a Zoom conversation. Uh, everything's on the table. I think we call it straight talk. Uh, and again, you can go to our website at PendletonStreetAdvisors.com and uh, find a link for that. I post a lot on LinkedIn. I think that's how you and I found each other. And you can just look for my profile right. here under my name. Those are probably the two best places to go and find us. Excellent. Well, John Barnes, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks a bunch. Excellent. And if you guys find this helpful and valuable, subscribe to the Dave Kittle Show on YouTube as well as iTunes and Spotify. We'll catch you next time here on the show. And John, again, thank you. Yeah, thanks a bunch, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.